This episode is brought to you by Stratosphere.io, the best web-based research terminal for company-specific metrics like KPIs and segment revenues. The service saves time, has a beautiful interface, and has the best data visualizations on the internet for equities. Now, our favorite features are the 10 years of data with data visualizations. This includes company-specific KPIs, charts for all the financial metrics you might be interested in, and stuff specifically for that company. So for example, if you're looking at a payments company, you might have take rates, you might have GMV. If you're looking at a marketplace, you'll have GMV as well. All that good stuff that can get you updated on your research process. If you want to get started today for free, go to stratosphere.io and start utilizing the powerful research terminal. Again, that is stratosphere.io. The link is in the show notes. We hope you'll join us on there today. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Welcome in to all the listeners. This is the Chit Chat Money Investing Power Hour number 19. And we, we're having some Zoom trouble, but we are up and running now. So about a minute late, but I think hopefully any viewers will forgive us. Um, the the structure of this show is that we bring nothing prepared but riff on all things financial markets and it's busy season probably i would say week week 3 of earnings season really kicking off financials don't really count that's like a lost week it's kind of the tone setter but it's like all right get your you know get your ducks in a row the real earnings season is about to start and then uh but yeah we're week 3 that's comprised most of my time how about you? Anything worth talking about this week? Anything newsworthy? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I looked at some earnings reports for sure. Stuff we own, stuff we didn't own. Yeah, just a lot of stuff there. This is probably the last super busy one until. Unless, Anything I guess, catch your eye? Any any earnings not in the portfolio that uh, we're like, hmm. Hmm, might have to relook at that. Maybe. I mean, I looked at Coupon, that South Korean e-commerce company, seems solid. Uh, stock's been a bit strange with the reactions on the report. Uh, it went up right away and then that went down. But uh, so I guess <laughs> that's not too crazy. But I guess, what other companies? Uh, looking at Disney, I guess, because we're recording for them next week with Brad. Uh, but besides that, just kind of standard earnings reports. Saw so a lot of, a lot of, I don't want to call them all bubble stocks, but a lot of stuff that's been down has shot up quite a bit. Did you see? I never know how to pronounce this company's name. Invite. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. That little short squeeze yeah. there. I, I don't didn't see what happened. No. I think it must have just been earnings, but. And I don't know what caused it, but I guess short squeeze stock was up like 200 something percent. I don't like to see that just because it 
seems to me that maybe the froth uh, isn't there's a little bit of froth left yeah maybe that's kind of what i kind of what i think but and and some other stuff as well i mean we've seen off of the lows in june we've seen some stuff up what 100% that just got totally bombed out let me look up uh i guess carvana could be a good one let's see can you guess how much Carvana is up in the past month? So 30 days. Take a guess. 75%. As of this writing, 100.2%. So people are working out the intrinsic value of these companies, <laughs> I think. Not to, uh, you know. I mean, that's a, Carvana, that's a joke, but. I think Carvana raised a whole bunch of money and. That was pretty much the big issue for them. So, maybe what year is helpful? Are you sure you're talking about this year? I thought that was wouldn't that be every year going back to its entire existence? I mean, yeah, liquidity has always been sort of, but it's always been more accessible. I think there was some big investment that they did buy themselves some time with the convertible notes or the senior notes. I think it was three point two billion dollars worth for the. Uh, acquisition of that auction company yeah but that was before it bought that mean that yeah, was and then 1.2 billion in equity raise and then i think they may have done another equity raise recently because i saw something but they're i mean their earnings sucked i read through them they're pretty bad yeah that's just uh i mean we covered them on a not so deep dive i think that one's still free and or maybe not don't quote me but i, I just don't know like I kind of I looked at that and I was like, why would I ever follow this again? I don't short. So if you know what I mean, like there's just so many issues with that business. I just don't know why I'd take the risk, but hey, some people, people own it. Maybe they'll do well and they've done well, quite well over the past month. I mean, a hundred percent returns. That's, it just feels not like no one knows what to do. Like it's sort of my feeling if you get what I mean, no one knows how to react right now. Is that does that make sense when they when things are just kind of trading sporadically? Um, we had inflation. Uh, people are confused on the month over month change versus the year over year change, and how those are two separate things. But what do you think on that? I got I got nothing. But I mean, there was that. Yeah, I think it went viral the Biden clip of like. The uh, he was like, We had zero percent inflation in the month of July, which is correct, which is correct, technically, technically correct. I mean, all right, if you're the president or anyone who's like getting blamed for this, you're probably looking at this, frankly, on a month over month basis and trying to keep the cost of goods stable, uh, not only on by your actions on kind of a daily basis, you probably do. I mean, they're, he's painting it with a rosy brush, the results, yeah. but you're managing, yeah. you're not managing from last year. You're managing from the position you're currently in. So technically it's the most recent information. I don't see, I didn't have as much of a problem with it as everyone else, but wow. he kind of made it seem like a brag, which is uh, nothing to be could, proud of. Yeah, it's just one month. I don't want, you know, we don't want them to get, especially because it's out of their control. So why do people blame them anyways? But um, the, I don't know, it's just one month. So you never know what's going to happen. But 
Yeah, I, I was, think I was wrong about that raising money too. I haven't found anything on that. I think you're just thinking of the one before the. No, there was uh, some article that got released about a Tiger, Tiger Global partner that yeah. left the hedge fund or something like that. That was released in June, but um, yeah, you know what? Other one I've been looking at. So I uh, recently had to take that class, which is finishing up now, and Chegg is, I mean, they have really, I feel like unlimited pricing power. Maybe not unlimited, well, but if you're a student and the work or the coursework is on Chegg, like you're going to pay. Yeah. You're more than willing to pay $15 a month to essentially pass the class. As we all know, college students have really large dispensable income. So I think that's a little bit of a take, Ryan, but I see it. Okay. They provide a yeah, lot of value. I mean, okay. You're paying $1,500 for a course, let's say. You're not going to pay thirty bucks to pass that course. Well, majority of people are. They raised prices a dollar and turned in a flinch. I don't see it. I don't see any. People are going to pay that if the answers are there. Well, a dollar. The longer that they exist, the better the catalog becomes. More valuable it becomes to the next incremental user. So. What uh what uh what was the price before? What was the dollar like in percentage terms? It was fourteen ninety five, raised it to fifteen ninety five. They were like, All right, well, we wanted to see if we could, and they were like, Yeah, it's nothing right. happened. That's not much of a test. All right. You raise it by what is that, seven percent? Yeah, that's not come on. You're telling me you wouldn't have paid an extra five dollars no, to I'm pass saying that I, class? I'm saying that that's needed? a I would say that's a big uh, difference between uh, saying they have unlimited pricing power versus them raising it 7% one time. It's essentially a green check for like, and it's for all your classes, essentially, unless you're in some like super custom STEM where everything changes frequently. If the course material has been used by any professor ever, I mean... Jake can really, I think they can throw whatever price they want out there and people are going to sign up for it. Yeah. There's just structural problems with that business that just, I mean, why bother investing? Uh, I'm sorry for it. The fact that they're not playing as, uh, uh, they're not playing a, let's see. Uh, what's the best way to say it? Colleges don't like them. Yeah. I guess that's a good way to put it. The, what I found is professors would per, like purposely be make stuff to be anti-Chegg just so you couldn't, you know, use them. And obviously a lot of professors don't care, but I think that's just a problem. Um, I saw that more and more as I got older. So Chegg got really popular as I was getting into my later years in college. And I, there's just huge risks with that business and it makes sense. Like it's one of those, it feels like one of those where, uh, I don't know, everything looks good until it doesn't, or there's that risk of just totally, um, <laughs> losing the, like just losing business because all the teachers are not teachers, professors and colleges kind of get their act together and say, Hey, look, everyone's just cheating online through this company. 
we're going to work to stop it. Maybe they can't stop it. Yeah, but can, I mean, honestly, what can you do? You cannot. Uh, I don't know. I you can make your questions new, which I guess like if the professors are really into their job, they probably do. But now the Chegg network has gotten good enough where you can post that question. It's not all, all the old catalog either. Either You can just post the question and then they've got like, they've Chegg has collected or aggregated enough experts now that that question is going to be answered in less than 30 minutes, most likely. Yeah. I mean, they could just tell you that you can't like have a login like they the school could ban a lot ban you from having a login i That's think literally how would they do that they have all your information what do you mean like schools i mean schools have a lot of you know information they could say like i mean yeah you could work around it but i'm just saying there's barriers people the schools can put up against this like i guess they've the been trying to do it for like five years and i uh Chegg's grown every year. So I don't see it as a like, yes, university have, have tried, but I think eventually you probably like there's nothing they can really do. Yeah, I mean, I'm witnessing this firsthand right now. And I I was looking at the results, the raise prices, the the business is humming along fine. They're getting more and more users. Now, granted, there's a pretty but the bigger they get lifespan the- on those users, it's you're recycling it pretty much every four years, but well, I mean, you know, there's no new students coming in. I guess they have decent, but the bigger they get, the bigger, the risk of revolt gets, isn't that kind of an issue? Like the larger there, they there get, there is no way to revolt. I, I mean, no, there's no way to revolt like with a one move, but there's just, it's sort of like, uh, it's like something that has bad health effects the more and more people do it, the bigger the risk of is of like, like you can't stop kids from vaping or something like that, but you can set you know, <laughs> restrictions on. I would say if, if that's the comparison, then it's probably a good time to get long check. Vaping. If, oh, come on. I'm Jewel? talking about cigarettes. No, no. If there's bad health effects, I mean, the return on pretty much any cigarette company, I think has been pretty strong. Well, I was mainly referring to Jewel, but as the 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 youth part. But I mean, I see what your point is about uh, like they they provide a lot of value to those customers, but just within the ecosystem they're in, the industry they're in, there's just permanent risk there that I just don't know why it, it's investable. Well, share count is down fifteen percent year over year. Uh, well, that'll entice me. Not joking. Are, that is that is enticing. They are buying back in in spades here. If you're listening to this ad right now, we know you're already a listener to our show. But for our avid listeners, we've also started a paid membership service called Chit Chat Money Plus that extends beyond just our podcast. Every Tuesday, subscribers get access to one not so deep dive research episode that covers everything you need to know about a company. You also get an email newsletter with our written show notes, important charts, a transcript of each show, and access to our Chit Chat Money research files. Chit Chat Money Plus costs $5 a month. You can subscribe directly through Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or if you listen on another platform, click the link in the show notes to go through the simple steps of signing up. If you're a regular listener to the show, we think the membership will provide tons of additional value. On top of the stock research episodes, members will get one Arch Capital Fund episode a month where we outline why we bought, sold, or continue to hold a stock in the Arch Capital Investment Fund, along with shows on our broader investment strategy. 
sign up and become a Chit Chat Money Plus subscriber today. We can't wait for you to join our community. Uh, we do have a question. What are your thoughts on high stock-based compensation in tech companies? Every day I get excited by just get smashed because of high SBC. Um, the problem is that I don't ever see this going away. Yeah, it's it's a worthy concern. I think it's just a matter of, well, for one, pure pure SBC, the SBC line item taken on its own isn't hugely valuable. Um, you kind of have to look at just shares outstanding over time and see, and then check what their granting pace is going to be. Brett's can probably explain better how to do that. And it's all in, I think, either the proxy or the 10K um, and probably all the queues as well. But there is something to be said for the stage of the company paying in stock and giving some incentive, but it's you're you're taking the risk of tying potentially employee morale and performance to the stock if you give them too much. So I think, yeah, examples like Coinbase, which I think was at like 31% or something like that, Palantir, which is at 39%. Unless you have a top tier manager who's very good at managing expectations, there's probably going to be employee attrition when things go poorly, like we're seeing at a lot of tech companies. Um, although right now it seems more that the, the companies themselves are firing. I tend to try to avoid companies that issue a ton of stock what no dude look at our portfolio come on if the, that's if a the, lie that's a lie. 30 30 north of 30 percent of revenue sure You're sure okay well, that's 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 fair i mean that's rare 30 percent of revenue is rare but we have tons of companies that issue stock consistently in poor form i would argue but i mean it doesn't make something i don't think it makes something uninvestable unless yes it is egregious in that super high double digit range well and, but, it, and it's just the we own companies that do issue a lot of stock and there has been dilution over the years however that's just how we look at it we look at it as how has the how have the fundamentals grown on a per share basis what you know because revenue growth plainly can be not great if the revenue per share over time then same obviously as you go down the income statement into the cash flow but the i think there's some examples where it can help a business, and there's some examples where it's masking real problems. Jumia yeah. is one that I don't think revenue has grown over the last two years on a per share basis, but reported revenue is up almost like double. So, or gross profit or something like that. I remember looking at that one. So, I don't know. I just look at the performance on a per share basis. What are your thoughts? Yeah, just if you're going to. Like, say every idea, like here's the quote from the the question. Every idea I get excited by just gets smashed because of high SBC. I that feels like a flawed strategy to me. To be frank, you have to just take it into account because if you're gonna exclude all these companies, that's just excluding a lot of a lot of great companies. I mean, look at Google's share count from. Let me just pull it up. Um. Oh gosh, hopefully it goes all the way back. Their, their share count was growing until basically three to four years ago. I don't have the exact timing on here. Um, yeah. Okay. If we go from 2006, their share count was, okay, like 11, say 11 
billion. And then it inched up to say 2018 timeframe, 13.7, I think billion split adjusted. Either way, steadily went higher, tons and ton of SBC, still a great business to own. Now they're returning stock, now they're returning capital to shareholders and reducing their share count pretty consistently, which is another plus. But it's just a factor that you have to consider. Um, and yeah, there's that risk with employee attrition. So if too much of their compensation is in stock, it's just something to track. And that does add as something as a risk. But I, I wouldn't say it's like a, a red flag unless it's, again, like we, like Ryan talked about, 30% of revenue like some of these companies. But that, that's few and far between. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And if it's, I don't know, because sometimes I see people say, all right, they generated $100 million in cash, but they had $50 million in stock-based compensation, so they're not really generating any cash kind of thing. But I mean, they're generating $50 million in that case, but whatever. I think that's maybe too simplistic of a way to look at it, because if that cash is growing on a per-share basis or your claim on it, it, it doesn't really matter that they're drawing that back. Um, but at the same time, those companies that are allocating 30% of their revenue to stock-based compensation, I have a hard time believing they're going to grow cash flow on a per-share basis. <laughs> they better it's have... Just, it's just unrealistic unless they, they grow have, revenue really quickly. Yeah, they better have 50% quote-unquote free cash flow margins um, if they do. But yeah, I mean, this all comes down to free cash flow per share. Yeah, if there's SBC, there's going to be a headwind on free cash flow per share growth. But as long as, I mean, if a company is, okay, if someone's, uh, say, SBC is 5% of revenue, and yet free cash flow per share is consistently grown at a 10 to 15% clip, in my mind, those, like, that's not uninvestable. I mean, it depends what price you're paying for something, obviously. But just because SBC is heavy, I don't think necessarily makes it uninvestable. This segues into another topic that I saw this week, let and me, that is say, the. Or yeah, one more thing. Okay. Go yeah. Ahead. The the other thing is if you're running, let's say, one of these businesses where developer and engineer talent is kind of it's in high demand, and you're a relatively young business, the stock pack, the, the stock based compensation package. I know Brett might be wincing at this is probably a good tool if it's if it's used properly to attract talent and if it's employees that actually buy in. So even though you could just pay them really, really well in cash, I imagine some employees like to have ownership and feel like they're a part of something 
almost like a team because they pretty much are on that team. Um, so I think, I think managers do use it as sort of an incentive tool. Yeah, that's fair. I wouldn't argue with that. Uh, however, if you have like, if you're a company and you can't, uh, like, you don't have the cash to pay people. Sorry, you don't have the capacity to pay people in cash. You're forced to pay in stock. I think you should first reevaluate your business model and expense structure uh, because maybe it's not viable. But besides that, yeah, I get it. Uh, but that that leads into the excise tax on sherry purchases that has been proposed. I at first thought this was a bad idea, and then I read more of the details, and I found out it's even a worse idea than initially proposed. Yeah, it's only going to be 1% on sherry purchases, but and it's for companies at the company level. But here's some little detail that just... I Again, it's only 1%, so it's not going to be a huge deal, but I just think totally misaligns companies' incentives for creating shareholder value. Here's a quote from the Wall Street Journal. I know the, the legislation can change, so uh, if you're actually you know care about this, uh, read the actual stuff that could be changing as it goes through you know all the all the process. But here's the quote: the tax on net buybacks total is total shares repurchased offset by the number of shares issued during the year. For example, as a part of a stock-based compensation program or because employees exercise stock options. So they are only going to punish companies that reduce share count, which. Oh, that's you know, terrible. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's 1%, so it's not a big deal, but that just feels, oh it's, it's going to incentivize more SBC and disincentivize reducing share count. Um, I mean, maybe that's good for society because more people will become owners or, or if you get what I mean, but from a shareholder perspective, I don't. <laughs> that, that doesn't seem great. No. So it's net too, essentially. It's net shares repurchased that, yeah. that are going to be taxed. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to think because 1% doesn't sound like a lot, but yeah, it's, it's uh, after tax money. I know. It's weird. Well, isn't yeah. it essentially? I mean, they're paying that basically out of their retained earnings or cash that they've generated in the past, assuming that they've been taxed on that cash that they generated. Yeah, it is a double tax. Should they just tax net income more? I don't know. I think maybe it's this again. I don't like the idea of taxing share buybacks, just and the same as dividends, but the positive spin could be that net income isn't perfect and people can massage that to um, make it seem like they're not as profitable as they truly are. So taxing buybacks and dividends, while at first principles might not make sense, it would actually be taxing the capital returns back to the shareholder shareholder class, which would maybe be a better metric on the true profitability of a business because if they're trying to return cash to shareholders, they have that capacity. They've been generating excess cash. Now, there could be some flaws in that thinking because I'm just kind of going up, making that, this up on the fly, but I don't think it's a terribly negative thing, but as a, a, from a shareholder point of view, I'm not the biggest fan. No. 
Would you rather have that or have your income tax raised by 1%, let's say? Oh, I I don't know. <laughs> They're both not. Until it gets to like 10%, it's kind of not noticeable. Um, so don't really have a take. But yeah. if it was at 10%, uh, yeah, the buybacks for sure. Like companies can work around that better than I can work around sales tax. Yeah. Any other uh, big notes from the week? Oof. Um, what I happened? Saw that our friend, our friend Francisco Oliveira, was mentioned in the Wall Street Journal on, on the di- uh, this morning on Disney's earnings report. Yes. When we, re- when we record, uh, yeah, listen to his show on Formula One. When we record Disney, that's the person in the back of my mind. Like, all right, I got to make sure uh, when we record this episode on Disney, I get things right. Because I like think of like, okay, if I was talking to him, you know what I mean? Because he knows that company so well. Um, our friend, listener, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm guessing one of the five uh, watchers on YouTube. Um, <laughs> The Elon Musk decided to sell some more Tesla, even though he said he wasn't a few days prior. Are you surprised or Shocked. are you? Su- yeah, uh, that's shocking. I never saw that come in. <laughs> and you know what is just a load of crap? This. Oh, no, I'll buy it back if I don't have to buy Twitter. Like, shut I, up. No, you won't. I made sure to screenshot it. He'll um, buy like a tiny portion. And then see, like, so I say, I told you. Yeah, he's gonna buy back all twenty billion or whatever it is. I don't know the exact amount. Um, to what? But it is kind of strange. He's he like was hyping up the stock at the meeting, and then selling it. They had well, they had the shareholder meeting. What's Isn't he gonna that... do? What's he gonna do? Talk it down and sell it at a lower price? No. <laughs> Who would do that? Warren Buffett. Um, or actually, speaking of, we just had that show on Winmark come out today with. Um, Jim Gillies, and maybe the biggest highlight I have from that was the chairman or CEO, I forget who, deliberately selling at a discount to the traded price um, as the company buys back stock, as he kind of leaves the company and is retiring. I thought that was a huge, like seeing something like that when looking at a potential investment is just huge for evaluating culture and management. But back on uh, Elon, yeah, that. I mean, okay, here isn't that what someone at Enron got in trouble for? Is saying like buy the stock or like whatever, like shorts are screwed, however they said it, and then selling stock like in a form for super close after? Is Elon just above the law? Are we just realizing that again? Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> this is this is known. It's um, so I don't know. It's, it blows my mind that people don't, shareholders don't care. Uh, yeah, it's like, happened how, how many times? Uh, he's sold what, 35 billion worth of his shares? And uh, every single time they say like, well, he needs it to, for like the good of humanity for some bullshit reason. Like, dude, just look at what, come on, he's selling I know the spin, the spin zone on that is astounding. Um, yeah. The, uh, yeah, something 
Got a yeah, topic? Like there was a uh, acquisition recently that was blocked. Um, a Facebook acquisition. Oh, and it made me think. And this was it was uh, basically they they Meta was trying to buy this company called Within that has like a boxing subscription service that's like VR subscription based boxing and it's got like flow class it's like a fitness classes um and the ftc was like basically no you already have something like this it's anti-competitive plus you could just build it if you wanted to yeah which makes me think that if acquisitions were hoping to be a part of meta strategy this that's not gonna happen yeah, I think they just got to play with the cards that they're dealt. It's interesting that Amazon and Microsoft just seem to be going willy nilly. Um, it doesn't seem fair to me, oh, but that reminds me. I saw someone say that the purchase of iRobot, Amazon's $1.7 billion purchase of iRobot, is the most dangerous acquisition in company history. Oh, yeah. It's going what, to be. <laughs> what could Amazon? possibly do with irobots data honestly how can that how does that even help them <laughs> they're gonna you know, sell like more the size of your living room rug hey you're mr defend alexa about the data advantage so you explain uh, but alexa you can is interactive this is just what what can they do with a map robot floor plan honestly <laughs> there's nothing that how does that provide any benefit to amazon i think amazon might have done it just to see, just to test the regulatory waters, be like, all right, what's the most pointless thing we can buy? Let's see what regulators think of this. And hey, like, oh, let's buy vacuums. Like, obviously, no one's going to complain about vacuums. Hey, robot vacuums are interactive. I don't know what you're talking about. They're they're interactive. They collect data. You can't. Okay, you can't make a purchase order. Maybe you can. Maybe Amazon's going to change it. But who gives a shit if you're order something from your vacuum like i don't know it doesn't provide that much it's just uh, hardware. what's i honestly now no, they have, like, the, they have the, whatever they have the scanning thing they have the scanning stuff so like it maps your home and stuff like that so the theory this guy had was that it would basically be super anti-competitive because they'll know what you need at your house but i mean great if they can actually if they could actually figure that out um, that great for the consumer. Yeah, that that I would be, I would enjoy that. But all the smart devices just like <laughs> they just annoy me whenever I get any sort of appliance that, that's internet connected, which I know Amazon's going heavily into. It just they always don't work as well. Like my family has a thirty-year-old toaster that works beautifully, way better than any other smart appliance they've ever gotten. And it's can I just have that again? <laughs> if anything There's ever no- breaks. I don't get that. There's zero way that the vacuum is going to be able to be like, oh, they need, he needs new oats. It's just the scanning of the maps of the homes. So I think people are just worried about that data. But again, well, like, that is your floor plan. I mean, it's. Yeah. The people have, I mean, that is don't real estate companies have it. Yeah. All right. But back to the, the Facebook stuff. Yeah. That's kind of, I don't know why they're blocking that acquisition. Maybe they just don't like Meta slash Facebook, but it seems that that's their strategy because Microsoft and Amazon have been going crazy, not crazy, but you know, pretty consistently buying companies. 
that you would argue have the same sort of scale benefits. Obviously, they're all different. Um, maybe Meta, that's just the cards they're dealt. I, I don't know. I don't really have anything else to say about that. I would say maybe it's a little self-earned. Well, they, yeah, yeah, yeah that is true. That's fair. Judging by some historical events. Histor- uh, but- <laughs> some historical things that they may have either done or uh, like not looked into with enough care as a multi a uh, hundred billion dollar whatever company. Here's here's something that, that maybe that I was kind of poking around my head that could just be a terrible idea. Like people just don't want companies that are big enough size to be able to buy up all the, all, all the other companies, right? This has always been a problem, right? It makes sense. What if like if you're mm, if it maybe only it's, benefits the consumer? No, no, because that's that's a little hard to say. What if you're company that is say as a percentage of GDP, say either probably not your revenue, it would have to be market cap as a percentage of GDP is at a certain threshold. You're not allowed to acquire companies anymore because you're too big. I mean, maybe, but you're you you're so successful that that for the time being the 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 society's like, all right, you I think want- maybe there's a better barometer than market cap because we've seen some companies, some trees grow to the sky, even though maybe it isn't. <laughs> so Tesla, Tesla's too, Tesla's too uh, anti-competitive. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe I want to be so. I want to be too upset if Tesla started making <laughs> acquisitions. Yeah. All right. Here's a good uh, comment from Matt. I think it's the same Matt Matt H. Thank you for joining all the time. Meta spent twenty million dollars on lobbying in 2021. They need to up that spend. Yeah, Most likely, lawyers. Yeah, I mean the tobacco lawyers are top notch. They're always getting that legislation that makes no sense for anyone except tobacco companies. Um, shocking. The thing is, they probably could pick the next president if they wanted to. So I would <laughs> stop. Think people would be more. You don't think that? They, oh, oh, Meta, Meta. I thought you said. I thought you meant the tobacco companies. I was like, uh, no, but Meta. No, no. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, if they really wanted to get like mean and and really like flex the push the button or push the pedal on on the political their, power yeah yeah could. i like how much the crypto industry is lobbying you know how there's just a ton it's a ton and it's not surprising Save us <laughs> yeah what's with the like you need to uh cover our losses we should be fdic insured Screw the big banks, but we'll we'll take the bailout. Yeah, we're we're gonna disrupt the government and national currencies, but actually, no, we need to partner with we need to partner with legislators, and we need FDIC insurance. It's very ironic, as uh, maybe Senator Palpatine would say. Um, all right, here's a question from, and I've been thinking about this because we've kind of been covering streaming, researching it this week for our not so deep dive. Here's a poll from The Science of Hitting, Alex Morris. Uh, Netflix will launch a free ad-supported tier by year-end 2024. 56% of people said yes, 43% people said no, or 44% of people said no, so basically a tie. What are your thoughts on this? Is there enough inventory? Free. Is there enough inventory to make a free tier successful for some of these streaming companies? At least the larger ones. Free. I don't think they've expressed anything about free. They didn't. Ex- 
they didn't express anything about advertising at all a year ago. Yeah, so, but I'm saying like even when they talked about it, they mentioned that it was like, I guess they didn't say anything on pricing, but like Paramount Plus does, I think it's $5.99 ad supported, $9.99 with, without. I think they're probably going to say like, I mean, they can probably do the math and say at what price does average revenue per user from the ad supported side get high enough to make the cost worth it or cash flow positive generally. Yeah. Maybe they sell it as a loss later at the start, like free and then up it, but that seems like a bad strategy on the ad supported side. The other thing is I hate ad supported plans they have to pay for. Yeah. It's a double, it's, it's a double pay. To go free, but unless it's sports. Be, that would have unless, to be ads everywhere. Yeah. Unless it's sports. But which, I mean that's what YouTube it's basically YouTube. Uh well, you, you mean with it the, started free, you know? You mean with ads everywhere? Yeah, because isn't it, isn't it two tiers? If you go premium, there's no ads, right? Or am I? I don't know. I don't have premium. No, 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 that's right. That's what I'm saying. Is like if you just make the free experience so sorry, uh, absolutely horrible. All right, see, this bothers me. This bothers me. Apple gets to send just like notifications to me instantly. I have to allow other companies to do it on my yeah. Mac, but Apple gets to do it immediately. That's BS. Join Team Android. Come on, make the switch. Join the dark side. <laughs> you're never gonna do. Not. You're never. They're never gonna do it. Everyone, uh, you have to. You have to buy. Sorry, we'll go back onto what you're talking about with the streaming. But yeah, everyone has to buy the iPhone uh, to differentiate themselves. Even though everyone owns it. Yeah, you got to be different. It's the, it's the only way to be unique. You got to prove yeah. your. You got to prove your superior by owning what everyone else owns. All right, but back to sorry, ad supported. Oh, I forgot where I was, but uh, comparing to YouTube, the two separate. Oh, yeah, I mean, you, you just make the ad-supported experience so absolutely horrible and bog it down with ads until people, you know, uh, decide. All right, I guess I'll up to premium. Although the YouTube's more unique, in my opinion, than like if if Netflix bogged it down hard with ads. I think there's too many alternatives. Yeah. I don't, I think the problem isn't even going to, again, I'm not versed on the advertising industry or the advertising technology industry, but we have all these companies coming into streaming, trying to do connected TV advertising essentially. Right. I feel like the issue might be that there's just not uh, the advertiser supply yet. So I don't know if that, you know what I mean? There's going to be so much inventory opening up. I wonder if the the problem won't be that there's too many ads is that they got to fill all these different slots and it's going to be a build up slowly over time. Yeah. I think that's a, and they're doing it at a point when there's sort of an advertising pullback. We do have a comment that says, not sure if you spoke about Disney, but they're torching cash on streaming also. That doesn't surprise me. Although. We'll cover it on the not so deep dive this week. I'm sure. The, yeah. I was going to say, in some of their offerings, they are seriously underpricing. Um, not anymore. Not anymore. They're raising. Disney yeah, Plus is $10 now. I'd say it's still, maybe not on the Disney Plus, but you if you get me with live sports, like ESPN Plus, I'd probably pay 20 bucks a month. Yeah, it's only 10 right now. Plus, I think that's the underrated thing about the sports, which I've harped on again and again. 
is the fact that people will pay and there's distinct times for advertising. So you get that great, I think you get phenomenal ARPUs, um, yeah. which they actually mentioned in their conference call that ESPN plus raised to 10 bucks a month from like six, which is a pretty steep bump. And they don't even have nearly all of their content on there from a sports wise yet. At least none of their flagship stuff is exclusively on ESPN plus and nobody churned. So, or not nobody, but they saw no change in uh, a churn dynamic. So uh, that's a pretty positive sign. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, kind of to touch on Matt's point, I just don't know if I'm going to touch anything streaming related. <laughs> Until someone can like prove right they can now, generate cash. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who? Everyone's in this like horrible competitive environment to see who can produce the best content. And it's just like, yeah, everyone's going to acquire more users, but this like aggregate cost to acquire them is just elevating. It's interesting for sure. You know what else I saw? I saw that the Roku channel allows, um, so you can like sign up for, I think it's like 50 different services. Paramount plus is included in the Roku channel. And then you can like navigate Paramount plus within the Roku channel. What's the benefit for Roku to do that? I think just better revenue revenue share, probably. Just like a higher likelihood of transactions. Yeah, a higher. I, I don't know what the. Yeah, that doesn't really make sense. The Roku channel strategy doesn't make sense. Um, I don't think they've expressed a strategy at all or laid out anything that they want to do. I don't get yeah. it. But. Yeah. All right. Here's another one. Avalara, Seattle native. Seattle, Seattle prospect uh, <laughs> um, got bought out at a dis- pretty decent discount to their all-time high. Is there any way to, like, uh, how am I trying to say this? Is there any way to be proactive in finding companies that will not, you know, take themselves out, get taken out during a downturn? And you maybe get a 20% loss if you're buying for the long term. Do you just have to make sure you buy at the right price? Or is there something with management that can come into play? I don't know. I mean, even if you have a whole bunch of insider ownership, people might just want out. Yeah. They might just have their own personal situation where they want the money. Now. Sucks. Can't really control that. You got to find someone who like really loves the business. Like they really like their job and you can tell, but it's hard. Like even you can, you can, every CEO is going to masquerade that, but you think like, so Mark Zuckerberg, you're saying we should buy meta. No, I'm joking. I think Zuckerberg would fit into that category. Um, I mean, Warren, obviously, because he's outright said it like 20, probably a million times that he loves his job. Now, if he makes it to hundred, I'll say he's dedicated. If, yeah. he, if, he's, if he's CEO at 100, then maybe we'll talk. Uh, I think re- maybe Reed Hastings fits that bill. Sort of, but he kind of was, when they were like cruising along, he was kind of saying I was, you know what I mean? He was giving more. Uh, oh, it's now stuff. co-CEO. Yeah, exactly. That co-CEO thing with Sarandos, although I bet he's back in now. Kind of, what you mean? What, what am I trying to say? A little more like, hands on. Yeah, hands on, exactly. 
Um, I don't yeah. know if there's a good way to tell whether or not management will take the payday. Yeah. I, who can blame them? Someone gives you a good buyout opportunity. But with the Avalara one, there wasn't much of a premium, which is probably disappointing for shareholders. Um, but I, I mean, companies kinda... buying back a ton is probably a good indicator. Why? Uh, Swedish match. Uh. I suppose, but I would have thought like, hey, if you're buying back, you know you're not going to sell unless it's a pretty steep premium because you think, all right, we're already trading at a discount. And it may be like companies that are buying back opportunistically, not just putting it on the back burner, like, and they've done so recently or at around the price because then you can say, all right, they've made it clear. They think this is a discount. There's no way they're going to sell for anything less than this. Well, they're just buying back because of the tax incentives with stock-based compensation. Uh, yeah, get them all out before the end of the year. <laughs> all right. Here's a question from, uh, sorry, don't know how to say your name. Thoughts on Apple and Microsoft making up over 13% of the S&P waiting? No way. Do they really? Uh, I'm going to say that is correct. Yeah. Damn. I would say at that point, yeah, you stop letting people, you stop letting companies acquire other companies. <laughs> As the percentage, yeah, Apple's really run up since they had that solid earnings report that we talked about last week. Um, I, uh, gosh, I think there's a lot of avenues to go when a company, like, there's a lot of different things that can happen when a company makes up such a large portion of the index, especially when index funds are so. Uh, big with so many flows, so much flows going into there. Um, I'm a little over my head discussing that, but just there's a lot of flows that are probably going into Microsoft's and Apple's stock. Uh, we consider it's tough. I would. It's like buy Xbox on its own. Yeah, their strategy has been sound the last few years. They are definitely doing well versus uh, uh, Sony. Although that's a just classic duopoly that. Oh my god! What a take rate on all those games. Hey, switch, switch. Yeah, but that's their own. I mean, they're their own. Their own beast. Don't play COD on the switch. <laughs> yeah, you can play maybe COD from two thousand four. <laughs> yeah. But that yeah, as the company's making up that big of a portion of the index from an investing perspective, maybe. Well, I guess if you're buying the S and P five hundred index fund, you're betting on a lot of fan mag earnings growth. And feels safe, feels fine, but I don't really, I don't think there's any huge, like you can kind of turn your head into a pretzel of thinking about all the different. Here's the thing. Um, do you think they, in both cases, do you think they extract more value than they or do you think they Ooh. create more value than they extract? Because I would say as long as they're creating more value than they extract to society, don't do anything. Microsoft, 100% is creating more value than they're taking. Apple, I would say probably no. Because the va- like if Apple went away, people wouldn't... Nothing would tragically go wrong, if you kind of get what I mean. Like people would be a little bit annoyed. They'd have to get a different phone, Android, whatever. But it's not like their life's over. 
that people might say, my life's over. I don't have an Apple phone anymore. But if you, if you kind of get what I mean there. I mean, I would say Microsoft's probably the same way, though. Oh, if Microsoft? No, dude. If Microsoft went away, the Just world would come. Hop to a different email. Hop to no. sheets. Okay, dude. No, the world would collapse if Microsoft. How away. so? Everything is, you know, that meme Not, of the everything the, has to go. T- everything convert it to convert it to Google Sheets. Dude, that takes. I know the world runs on Excel, but whatever that meme is with the guy with the the the, but they that you can't that there's so much switching costs there. It would take decades but all the data that's stored with stored with apple i mean it's like the same as everything that's stored with excel in a way yes but also in a way no because it like microsoft is kind of the grease that get, keeps the world running um the business world running i should say and apple's just a good brand yes yeah, i'm a google sheets i love google sheets and no one uses it, but <laughs> no one uses it but us. People laugh. Yeah, someone said Google Sheets with a laughy face. I take, love Google take Sheets. Take offense to that. I love Google Sheets. Google Finance like Google, a- Sheets. Google Finance API is great. Updates uh, constantly for us, but it, it just uh, there's so much built into Excel, uh, just in the global economy. That I, how much of the global economy is built into Excel? Is that what you mean? Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, it's true. But uh, um, I mean, yeah, I just uh, think- another guy said Google Sheets with the I think a puking emoji. All right, all right. Hey, I guess I, I'll. Hey, Excel's I, got. We have a shared folder. Okay, <laughs> what am I gonna do? Convert Microsoft Excel every single time? It's a waste of it's a waste of time. We're we're broke. Uh, we also just have free Google Drive, but that just shows you how how uh, little money we actually make. But yeah, what I was gonna say is Excel is a great brand. People love it, especially in finance. That's um, true. You know, at one point I was listening to this business breakdowns episode on Union Pacific. I think in the 19, I think it was the early 1900s, the railroads made up 60% of the Dow, mm-hmm. the 30 companies in the Dow, the railroad-based companies. The early 1900s, you mean? Yeah, whenever the Dow was like- Inventors. That would have been late, yeah. late 1800s, I think, or maybe early 1900s, super early 1900s. Yeah. Talk about a monopoly, oligopoly, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's hard to build railroads these days because of all the regulatory stuff. So, uh, you know, those they just have like a permanent advantage as long as the government doesn't opt not to build them themselves. Yeah. You can't... Uh... The digital revolution is not going to be able to enable you to break the laws of thermodynamics or whatever, whatever you want to say, the laws of physics. Um, yeah, but the the fact that the, the railroads is such a large part of the index is kind of a good pitch for index funds because if you just own index funds, you basically ride all the technological change and the the companies that are becoming yeah. the larger part of the index and then falling and stuff like that. Um, whatever becomes a more valuable part of the economy you're going to own. Yep. Uh, let's see. Anything else? Anything else? In a tax week? advantaged way as well. That add. is true. That you is true. They, yeah, they sell for you. Um, what did you think of the AMC ape stuff? I didn't look into any of the details cause it looks super complicated, but neither did I, but you know what? Kudos to that CEO, man. 
oh come on just sold Uh, his soul i i honestly respect it yeah yeah. thank you for being facetious but no i mean think you know you would, I think, you would have done the same if you knew that you'd get what? What? What's his? I assume his payday has been north of a hundred million dollars. I hope I would not be doing the same thing in the same manner. I hope I wouldn't. Well, he's playing to his audience, man. Yeah, maybe he just has his pet thesis that it's going to somehow increase ticket sales. <laughs> the, there's so many of them that they're going to go to so many other movies, but. Dis- that's just bullish for Disney because Disney gouges them on ticket prices, so it's not like they actually. Whatever. What's the last movie you went to in the theaters? Top Gun. Damn, I never went to that in theaters. You should go before. Out? Yeah, I think so. You should go before it ends. It's probably only good in theaters, really. Yeah, I've been to a lot of those uh, Disney ones lately. Oh my god! Quite you underwhelming. Went to... I will use that in anecdotal evidence when we record our episode tomorrow. I'm looking forward to She-Hulk: Attorney at Law to be. Uh, no, I that got, no, that wasn't canceled, was it? Which one was the one that got canceled by a company? That was Batgirl. But you went to see Thor, whatever. Yeah, instead of instead of Top Gun, come on, that's just your own fault. All right, so we had nothing on AMC. No, literally nothing. I just don't keep up with it. And there's always so much going on that it's so hard to keep up with. Yeah. Um, hmm, hmm. App Lovin is buying Unity. Did you look into that at all? Which really? Kind of a fish that ate the whale situation there, if I'm not mistaken. I think Unity was larger than App Lovin. I was going to say, App Lovin's that big of a business? $13 billion. Okay. I, to be frank, I've never known what Apple oven actually does. <laughs> um, Let me pull it up right now. Let me see the description. Apple oven engages in building a software-based platform for mobile app developers to enhance the marketing and monetization of their apps in the United States and internationally. It's, it's Unity. It's literally Unity. Yeah, you cannot tell me the difference between both of those. Um, well, hope it goes well for their... 50% for premium to Unity's share price. Wow. Good for Unity whatever people that bought the dip um all right hold on i've thought about this 50 percent premium to unity share price on july 12th nearly 20 percent premium to yesterday's as of this whatever when this was written either maybe that was the market overall just rising but every time i see that i think god i hope the sec is looking into that whenever you see like this weird random just like gradual increase right into an acquisition price like come yeah. on Someone yeah. knew. Someone's someone buying. Someone's leaking. Yeah. And then we had a comment. Didn't Unity buy Iron Source? Yeah. I mean. Oh, I saw that it is the App Loving deal is contingent on them not buying Iron Source. Oh. So it's kind of an own to management, uh, Unity's management. If App Loving's saying we're only going to buy if you scratch the Iron Source deal. Yeah. I don't have any. I don't no, know anything about any honestly, of the companies. I think a lot of people I think a lot of people buy developer based companies that are built for developers without understanding the competitive landscape involved there. Cuz I don't know everyone loves Unity, but I've got a feeling that Unity is not the only one doing what they're doing. And obviously they aren't. 
And also, we don't know. <laughs> and we would have no idea if there's a startup coming along that it kind of plays into the fact that you want to counterintuitively, this might, people might disagree with this, invest in industries that have less technological disruption. Yeah. All right, here's, I want to do a good game here. Um, I'm going to lay out, okay, the years don't matter. I'm going to lay out revenue growth rates for a, I think it's a seven-year period. Yeah, seven-year period for a software company. And I want you to tell me whether you'd buy it or whether you'd be interested at all in this company. Okay, first year, 3%. Second year, 16%. Third year, minus 2%. Uh, fourth year, 13%. Fifth year, 25%. Third year, minus 3%. Fourth year, minus 5%. If you saw this tweet from someone, you might have, you might be. I didn't see it. Okay, good. Would this keep you away? Like, would you be like super, I don't know, worried about this company in general? Like, after you take kind of a first glance, you'd be like, okay, what's going on? Why aren't they growing revenue? I, I don't know. Would yeah. that just be on its face? What if I told you that was Adobe in 2003 and at 33X? It's just. That was a good little tease from MBI. Uh, Nobody's a hell of a business now, too. Got so it's good. hard. Those transition periods or turnarounds or, uh, I guess, transition periods of business Ad models and stuff like that, it's so hard to predict. Adobe was also like a fraction of the products in 2003 that it is today. Like I, I'm pretty sure that was like built on just a few products. Yes, but that, that hindsight is, you know, we have perfect hindsight, but at that time, wouldn't it be really hard to look at something like, yeah, just kind of shows how hard it is to look at something without kind of, I don't know, I, I guess it comes down to trusting management strategy and stuff like that. But I think there's probably it, a lot of companies that have been in situations like that, that haven't turned out like Adobe. Yeah. A lot but, of software businesses, especially around 03. Yeah, True. That timing could be strange for the the tech bubble bursting, but if you look at it, kind of goes back. If you want those kind of potential hundred bagger stocks, you have to really be at a starting point most of the time, where things don't look perfect. Because if things look like if the company's firing in all cylinders, it's gonna have a premium valuation as Adobe has today, or at least did. I think probably does. I think, uh, I think the valuations come down a bit, if I remember correctly. But yeah. I mean, if it's above twenty, I mean it's still you know, technically premium. Um, but, yeah, it's like 30 times EBITDA if I'm looking correctly. That could be wrong. Uh, if I'm not calculating yeah, you right. kind of have to buy... I think there's this like a disillusion or illusion, maybe it's just illusion, that companies will get completely disconnected from their fundamentals and you can easily buy them. When companies really drop in price, it's usually fundamentals driven. Yeah, or some you know something's going on that people are concerned about. Um, so yeah, you kind of I have to imagine most hundred baggers, maybe not like monster, were bought either at a precarious time or the outlook just wasn't good. Yeah, I think the best, the easiest one to kind of go into is when revenue is going to be slow for like two quarters, and you know it's just some anomalous thing. That's my favorite one because so many people are just like, oh my God, revenue is going to grow. Revenue is going to slow for two quarters. What are we going to do? Like they lose their minds. 
But if you know, like if you're pretty confident that that's just going to be a short term blip for whatever reason, that can be that can be nice. That can be a nice opportunity from from my point of view. All right. It's one one on the West Coast here. So it's been an hour. Going to go ahead and sign off. Matt, thanks for all the comments. Uh, Ethan or Athan, if I'm saying that right. Thanks for the comments as well. Everyone that was on here. Appreciate the questions. Um, that's going to do it. We do this every Thursday, 12 o'clock Pacific time, three o'clock Eastern time. Uh, feel free to go to our YouTube. Just look up Chit Chat Money. We'll have a live video going and you can put some questions in the chat if it interests you. Thank you all for listening. Uh, I guess we should hit a disclosure. Brett and I are not financial advisors. Anything we say or discuss here on Chit Chat Money is not formal advice or recommendation. Thank you all for listening. Thanks, Matt, for telling us a good show. Appreciate it. And uh, have a good one. See you guys next time. Thank you.